Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Utilizing low-dose radiation scans that reveal cancers, cardiac issues, precursors of dementia, and more. Information about early health screenings at virtualimagingatl.com. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. There's a new video from the Democratic Party of Georgia, and it ends with this. Georgia, the true north of the Democratic Party, is in the Deep South. That's the voice of Party Chair Congresswoman Nakima Williams. And this video is part of a pitch to the Democratic National Committee. Democrats are shaking up their primary calendar after a disastrous Iowa caucus in 2020, when a new vote tallying app caused results to be delayed for days. Now, Georgia wants to be at the front of the pack. This is a state that for the first time in about 30 years, people are watching closely. President-elect Joe Biden made history in Georgia. For Democrats, Georgia has become a symbol of the party's future and the long road to get there. Georgia, the cradle of the civil rights movement. The time for racial discrimination is over. We want our freedom and we want it now. Georgia is competing against several other states for one of the top spots. With minorities making up half of our state, over a fifth of Georgians living and working in rural areas. And And Georgia Democrats think the Peach State checks all the boxes. Our racial, geographic, and economic diversity isn't just a stat, it's our strength. Will the road to the White House begin in Georgia? I'm Raul Bally, politics reporter at WABE in Atlanta. I'm Susanna Capaluto, WABE politics editor. I'm Sam Greenglass, also a WABE politics reporter. Emma Hurt is away this week, and this is Georgia Votes 2022, a weekly campaign podcast from WABE. I vote because it's a privilege. I vote it's a duty. because I want to make an impact. I vote because I want leaders who care about Voting my future. is the gift of so freedom. So voting matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice. So, Sam, did you miss us? Well, we certainly had a lot of news while you were gone, and I am glad that you all had a little break because it was a little a little nuts around here. And yes, I definitely missed you guys. Oh. The podcast was less fun without you all. Well, both Raul and I spent some time in Europe, and we'll tell you later how much fun we had and what people abroad are saying about U.S. politics. But first, what are Georgia's chances really of being chosen as the first Democratic primary state? Well, there are five categories that Democrats are weighing in making these decisions. Uh, One, does the state's diversity reflect the Democratic voter base? Uh, That has been long time a problem with Iowa, which is a lot more white than the rest of the country. Um, Is the state a general election battleground? Again, Iowa has voted Republican in the last few races. Uh, Is there a primary and not a caucus? And how expensive is it to advertise in the media markets in that state? Uh, And finally, is the state geographically compact enough that you don't have to fly everywhere to have uh, campaign stops in every corner of the state? Georgia definitely hits the first three of those boxes. 
And while Democrats might be more inclined to ditch Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, South Carolina, which uh, traditionally has been number three in the lineup, is also bidding to keep its spot. So it might be difficult to see two neighboring states with early contests, uh, South Carolina and Georgia, being on that docket. I do want to chime in on your last couple of points, Sam. You're talking about television. Here in Georgia, if you advertise on Atlanta television, which is expensive, but that covers almost 70% of voters here in the state of Georgia. You look over in South Carolina, you've got to advertise in Greenville, which is not cheap, Columbia, Charleston, Savannah, Savannah being on the border, Augusta being on the border, Charlotte being on the border. You've got to you know, advertise in a lot more places. So if they're looking at things like that, South Carolina versus Georgia, and again, look at the demographics, especially when you're talking about Latino and Asian demographics, Georgia may have a very good case to make to the DNC, whether it's a convention, a major debate, or one of the early primaries. Though, though getting a campaign bus from uh, Atlanta to Savannah is a bit more of a haul than uh, from uh, Cobb County to, to Greenville. Than from Cobb County to Gwinnett County, I guess. Yeah, just the traffic. Yes, <laughs> just the traffic probably takes the same amount of time. And just to throw out one other point, the city of Atlanta is also making a bid to host the Democratic National Convention in 2024. It is a finalist, and I could totally see a world in which Atlanta gets the DNC. You know, you have to give Georgia something, but maybe the primaries, early primaries, go to other states that check more of these five boxes. Mm-hmm. Well, now the Democratic National Committee is expected to make that decision um, before November. But as much as Democrats tout Georgia as a driver of Democratic election victories, it's still very much up in the air whether the last election was a blip or a lasting realignment. Yeah, you're right, Susanna. I mean, remember in 2018, uh, Donald Trump was in the White House. In 2020, he was on the ballot. And this election that won't be the case. And so it's an open question whether voters who traditionally voted Republican but fled the party in the age of Trump will stick with the Democrats or they'll go back to voting for Republicans. And then also on the flip side, with Biden's domestic agenda pretty much stalled, you may also have reliable Democratic voters who say, you know, what did my vote for Biden actually accomplish? And so maybe they'll be less inclined, uh, some of the, the least the less reliable voters will be less inclined to actually go to the polls. So while polling is showing the races for Senate and governor are very close, at least right now, uh, we shouldn't just assume that Georgia is now necessarily poised to elect Democrats from here on forward. Susanna, I just don't think it was a blip. And here's why. Think about all the elections, the presidential elections that you and I have covered here in Georgia for years. Did presidential candidates ever come to Georgia in the numbers that they came in 2020, the number of times Joe Biden came, the number of times that Donald Trump came, they were in Georgia as much as they were in Florida or Ohio. So they had already seen something in the numbers, both sides, to say we need to be in Georgia. So I don't think 2020 was a blip. We will see. Well, money to get their message out this year shouldn't be a problem for either party here. And some of the money is just going to be spent to sway maybe those 5% of the voting population, those independent swing voters that have always given us this 48-52 margin here. And some money is just about voter turnout and making people care. So who's got the easier task here in Georgia, you think? 
Well, first of all, there is lots and lots of money pouring in from all around the country on both sides of the ticket. And these races are going to be very expensive. Uh, at the moment, it seems that both Democrat Stacey Abrams and Senator Raphael Warnock are both winning the fundraising stakes. Abrams has been able to take advantage of the special leadership pack that Kemp designed to help him raise unlimited money. Now Abrams, as the Democratic nominee, has been able to take advantage of it too. As to which group of voters most of this money is going to be spent on, I think that's a hard question to answer, and I think it might be both. Uh, on one hand, you've got Republicans who are thinking that inflation will help them with voters on the fence, those independent voters that we've talked about, and Democrats will need to put down all the stops to keep them voting with Democrats. But then again, Democrats also think that abortion rights, for example, might activate some of those Democratic voters who don't turn out to actually vote as reliably. As to which of those buckets is more important, I think both parties are going to be competing for every voter they can in a state that has been decided so narrowly in the past. And that's the important point that I've been making, you know, that everyone's talking about that swing 5%. And just being out there, I feel like the campaigns, the parties are just as focused on their bases that they need to make sure that the voters that they know are going to vote for them to make sure that they show up. And I want to talk about an event that I went to. It was an event supporting Republicans running for the Georgia State Senate. And one of the people I talked to was State Senator Burr Jones, who is the, now the Republican nominee for lieutenant governor. This was the point he made to the crowd to remind him about 2020. We have had a, a good run in the state of Georgia. We've been a, a ruby red state. We've been a business-friendly state. We've had a lot of good leadership, like what you have here, who has represented us. Uh, but we have not had the ground game uh, that we is needed to continue that success. And uh, and and we and we kind of got ca caught flat-footed in 2020 uh, because there was one thing that uh, the advantage the Democrats had throw out all the other things that might, might may or may not have gone on, but what you did have is you had a, a ground game that outperformed ours. The other uh, interesting person that I talked to at that event was former U.S. Senator Kelly Loeffler. Now, you may remember that last year she lost in the runoff to U.S. Senator, now U.S. Senator Raphael Warnock. While she's not on the ballot, she is going to be a key figure in Georgia's elections in 2022. She is pouring a lot of her own personal money and, you know, bringing in money for organizations like that one that's raising money for Georgia State Senate candidates, along with her own organization called Greater Georgia, which is focusing on registering conservative voters and then getting them out to vote. And this, here was her message to the crowd that showed up. We've got to double the Republican turnout from the May primary. We had unbelievable turnout. We need to double it. That starts at the doors. We all know that talking to our neighbors, our neighbors hearing from us, is much more influential because they don't trust the media. They don't believe the media. The best way to describe Greater Georgia is it's uh, Senator Leffler's version of Fair Fight, the organization that was founded by now Democratic nominee for governor Stacey Abrams. Again, the focus on registering people to vote and then getting voters out. So Leffler's organization already has 12 staffers. They're going to add more. The Georgia GOP, the RNC has 50 staffers in the know. And these staffers are just going out there and knocking on doors. 
And you're going to see that on the Democratic side. One other thing I want to talk about, about voter outreach, and that's minority voter outreach. This past week, the RNC opened an outreach office here in the Atlanta area for the Hispanic community. That is the third office they've opened. They've opened one aimed at black voters, one aimed at Asian voters, and one aimed at Hispanic voters. And this brings us all back to Sam's point just a moment ago. Both sides are fighting for every single vote. You know, if they think that there's an Asian American or Hispanic American or a black American who is going to vote for them, possibly vote for them, they need to get them out. And that's that's the important point of what we're seeing here in Georgia. And that brings me back to my point about the suburban woman who the GOP has been after. And I think they have to make up for some suburban women that they probably going to lose because of the Roe versus Wade decision. So that seems to be a, a strategy. Just find voters somewhere else to make up for those losses. This is a good time to take a break. I'm Susanna Capaluto. You're listening to Georgia Votes 2022. Support for WABE comes from Virtual Imaging, believing it's not just about living longer, it's about living healthier longer. Providing medical diagnostics to help catch deadly or debilitating diseases early. You can learn more on proactive screenings at virtualimagingatl.com. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022, today with Raul Bali and Sam Greenglass. Now, we found out this week the Fulton County Special Grand Jury investigating former President Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election here in Georgia is moving forward. And this week, this special grand jury sent subpoenas to new witnesses in Trump's orbit. Sam, who are they? So... This special grand jury has already been hearing from witnesses over the last couple of months, but these subpoenas get to the innermost rings of former President Trump's orbit. Uh, They include Trump campaign lawyers, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis, and John Eastman. And Eastman is the man who congressional investigators say helped craft the plan to appoint phony electors in the battleground states. Uh, Also, Senator Lindsey Graham has now been subpoenaed. He is fighting that subpoena and others. Uh, On NBC News this week, uh, Fulton County Prosecutor Fawny Willis uh, did an interview and gave us a few more clues into where this investigation is heading. She hasn't ruled out subpoenaing Trump himself. And now these special grand juries can meet for up to a year. And Willis said that if the investigation is not wrapped up by this fall's election, she'll actually pause issuing any new subpoenas uh, probably in October to avoid the appearance of exerting any kind of influence over the election. And a reminder that Georgia Governor Brian Kemp is still scheduled to testify later this month. So that's another big name that this uh, grand special grand jury is going to hear from. Something interesting about the governor's testimony, it is going to be a recorded statement. He's not actually going to physically go down to the Fulton County Courthouse in Atlanta. Uh, it was just the agreement that was made between uh, the special prosecutor and the governor's office. Also, we have lost the Georgia Guidestones, this fringe roadside attraction in Elbert County. It's been there since 1980, and some conservative Christians called it satanic, 
And there is a political angle to this as well. What is it, Raul? So first I want to say I grew up in East Georgia, and this was not a thing that was talked about a lot. I, we knew about the Guidestones in Elbert County. I grew up in Columbia County, which is a couple of counties over. It was never a big deal. You know, people would do a podcast. You'd see a random story here and there about it. You'd see YouTube videos. The reason it came into the political conscious is one of the lesser-known Republican candidates for governor, Candace Taylor, basically brought it up in her campaign saying that these things should be destroyed. And everybody's uh, and, like, what is that? And and it was one of those things that got a lot of people's attention. like, And it brought a lot of attention to that. So um, she obviously is, is – she on the one hand tweeted kind of a – you know, a, a happy tweet that it came down, but also pushing back uh, that she wasn't responsible for, for whoever brought this down. We should point out that the Georgia Bureau of Investigation is investigating. They've got, they believe the vehicle that was involved. They've got video of the explosion. So there is a full investigation. It's going to be interesting to see if they do track someone down, what the reason for bringing it down was. Mm -hmm. And they had to destroy the entire monument, it looks like. It's basically... Four big granite slabs with 10 messages in various languages, and they all have guides to live by. It's really, Elbert County is known for granite, and people locally, have, I've heard in one interview, refer to it as a great show of the craftsmanship that they can do <laughs> with granite in Elbert County. So it was a tourist attraction, and yeah, uh, it's one of those, is it going to be built again we don't know yeah, maybe they can build a new monument to granite in albert county <laughs> one of the crazy things was on as we mentioned at the beginning of the show you you know you had we both had gone off on vacation last week i actually listened to a podcast on my delta flight about the guidestones because i was just flipping through the audio channels and i'm like oh look i want to read about the guidestones because it, it this is before the incident it had already come back in my conscience because of, of, of Candace Taylor. So uh, on your European vacation, Raul, I want to know, of course, how much fun you've had. And, uh, yeah, what do you think people are thinking about the United States? You know, I, I really did unplug. Um, I, I think I watched CNN maybe for a few minutes. I got a few text messages about different stories. I think the, the only interesting thing I could mention um, politically from my trip is is noticing the number of bobbleheads of, of former President Trump that I saw. I don't think I saw bobbleheads for any other American politicians that right off the top of my head. But yeah, the, the Donald Trump bobblehead I, I did see quite a few times, especially in Venice, I think. But traveling to Italy was, was so much fun. It was amazing. I had never been to Italy before. And it, it was one of those dream trips for my wife. She's just like, I want to go to Italy. So so much fun. Took the kids. It was it was an it was an amazing trip. Great. Now I spent nearly three weeks in Germany, and everyone asked me if I think Donald Trump will run again. The other question was why are Americans so gun crazy, and I just didn't have any good answers to other questions. <laughs> I do know that for the first time, my family actually expressed concern about me living here, like a real worry that I like I. You know, I'm not going to put it out there, but worried about me. Um, 
and that was really a first. I was also there when Roe v. Wade was overturned, and there was just a big shrug because the issue is really no longer an issue in Germany. They have had abortion care codified in law rather than through a court ruling, so there really weren't any opinions on that. What I did see, though, in talk shows and everything, that they're really focusing on no longer relying as much on the United States in general going forward because of a perceived instability that is really there. And you could feel it. I could feel it. So that is my takeaway. Now, before we go, um, what will you be watching this week? Well, I have a few questions I'd actually really like to ask Governor Kemp about. One, I have been asking his office whether he uh, supports the bipartisan uh, gun violence legislation that was passed by Congress in the last couple of weeks, in part because it includes a uh, grant funding program for states that enact red flag laws, which Georgia does not have. So I'd really like to know whether Kemp supports uh, enacting such a program. Uh, So far, his office has said they do not have a position uh, on this legislation. The other question I have is, uh, uh, as we're following the fallout from overturning Roe v. Wade, we've heard supporters in Georgia's legislature talking about reintroducing next session a bill to place new restrictions on medication abortion or abortion pills. Uh, I would like to know more about Governor Kemp's stance on that legislation, uh, given that he has focused his comments on abortion to uh, seeing the quick implementation of Georgia's 2019 abortion law rather than promoting new legislation. And then, of course, you know, we're waiting for this 11 circuit court ruling on Georgia's 2019 abortion law. Will it be able to take effect? Uh, Which, of course, would have immediate consequences uh, here in Georgia. And so by the time we tape our next episode, both sides in that abortion case will have had to have filed with the 11th Circuit, you know, to say, what does the U.S. Supreme Court ruling mean for Georgia's law? What happens then is either the court will make a ruling based on that or there may be a hearing. So, you know, we're looking at to figure out how long it will take before the 11th Circuit makes a decision saying Georgia's law can go forward. The expectation is, based on, you know, who the judges are, that they're going to let Georgia's law kick in. But again, there's always the possibility of other challenges, state challenges, challenges to other parts of the abortion laws, specifically the personhood part of House Bill 41. And I look forward to going back on the campaign trail. And yes, it is hot out there. Um, but it, what that means is there's a lot of 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. events already happening and then evening events. Looking forward to be back on the campaign trail. Enjoyed my vacation, but but you know, I love I love being out there and I love hearing from voters. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you all for your insights. It's good to be back. It's great to be back and we'll see you all next week. Stay cool out there. Georgia Votes is a production of the WABE Politics Desk. Our engineer is Kevin Rinker. Check out our other WABE podcasts, including Political Breakfast and the WABE Tech Cast. You can also email us at georgiavotes at wabe.org. We'll see you next week. Local, state, national politics. WABE and NPR have the coverage you need. 
I'm Jim Burris, host of WABE's All Things Considered. Whether it's on the air at 90.1, streaming online, or connecting through our mobile app, WABE keeps you on top of election 2024 in what's sure to be a pivotal year in politics. And for candidates and ballot information, visit our election hub at wabe.org slash election 2024. The Gold Dome Scramble podcast is now plugged in, a WABE Politics podcast. New name, same on-the-ground reporting from us, WABE Politics reporters Sam Greenglass and Raul Bally. We'll cover local, state, and national politics as we talk to politicians and voters to break down each week's biggest headlines. New episodes drop on Fridays. Listen and subscribe at WABE.org or your favorite podcast platform. WABE.